Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, I'm really excited to share with you guys tonight. It's always an honor to have the opportunity to speak. And we're going to continue with our theme this month called A Glorious Mess. And uh, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and so I'm really excited to hear about uh, some of the messages that people have to share. Uh, the other reason I kind of like it is because it's really authentic, yeah. right? It's really raw. I don't know, does anyone else here realize sometimes that life can be a mess, yeah. right? Three people and a whole bunch of heathens. Does anyone here realize, come on, that life can be a mess? Sometimes, come on, there's hands in here, right? Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way you think it is. Sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you thought. And what I find is that when we live in community, like in a church or in a family, the more people you live around, the more opportunity there is for things to get messy, okay? And so that's the reality of it, is that, you know, sometimes life is a mess. Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way you think it is going to. And so I'm really excited to to hear some of the insight this month But one of the things that really encourages me, and I don't know if you've realized this, uh, but when you read the Bible, it's almost like they didn't edit edit it before they printed it, right? It's almost like, to me it's quite strange, but you read the Bible and like you're three pages in and you go, oh, this is a real mess. Has anyone else realized that? And it's not just... It's not just in a little section, it's right the way through it, okay? So you get in there and there's, you know, right from the start, you know, God creates uh, this, the, God creates the universe, he puts Adam and Eve in a garden and you read in the book, I remember being a, uh, an early 20s guy when I gave my life to Jesus and I was reading the Bible, I kind of knew some of the stories, but as I'm going through it, I'm like at page two and they've messed it up and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. It, it doesn't seem like... And when you start to read the Bible, you realize that it's actually really odd to think they wrote the whole book and they left all this content in. It's like someone forgot to edit it. It's like someone, it's like someone read it and they've gone, you know what, we're not going to censor any of this. We're going to leave it all in. But the truth is, I actually believe it's one of the reasons that we know that the Bible is the Word of God because it leaves in all the stuff that you and I would actually take out. Okay? If you and I were writing the Bible, okay, we would go through, we'd transcribe a bit, and maybe we pass it to someone else, and they would read it, and they would go, that's a terrible situation, let's, let's censor that out. But the truth is, they leave it in. Have you ever realized that? I mean, seriously, you've got to read the stories and go, who thought it was a great idea to leave this in? But the truth is, God thought it was a great idea to leave it in. And you cannot read the Bible, and if you're, if you're going through the Bible, and you just go, man, everyone in here is awesome, you must be missing some of the stories, Okay? <laughs> For real. So Genesis, Genesis 2, uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God gives them two trees and says, uh, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that one. What do they do? They, they eat it right. They mess it up. Okay. And so then we walk our way through Genesis, uh, Cain and Abel. That doesn't work out well. And then basically the Bible, we've been studying this in our life group, by the way, spirals out to about Genesis 12, right? 
at the Tower of Babel where all these guys get together and go, we're greater than God, and they build a tower and they completely mess it up. And it's getting worse and worse. And then God decides, I think we need to start again. So he floods the earth. He saves one family and a bunch of animals, a guy called Noah. And you're like, awesome, we're going to reset. Okay, it kind of was getting bad, but then we're going to reset. And you're like, this is awesome. We're, we're going to start heading this way. You know, we've been going this way. We're going to go that way. And towards the end of Noah's life, he completely messes it up. And then you, you go on through the stories in Genesis. You know, Jacob, his family really mess it up. Uh, the Israelites end up in, in Israel. A guy called Moses, who is a complete mess up. God's like, I'm going to use you. And then Moses brings the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness. And what do the Israelites do? Do you guys know? They totally mess it up. Like you're reading the book going, these guys are terrible. Like surely I'd do better than they would. I don't know if I would, but sometimes I think that way. I'm like, these guys are messing it up. And so the Israelites go through and it keeps going on. And then you get to uh, the kings, right? King Saul, what's he do? He messes it up. And then we get to David, right? who's like this awesome, he's like the hero of the Old Testament. You know, he's going, he's going all guns ablaze. And you're reading it going, we are finally there. And then he makes the decision to actually uh, sleep with someone else's wife and have the guy killed. That's a problem. <laughs> Just to be clear, right? I don't want to bring any condemnation tonight, but if you're in that situation, you need to see me after the service. Don't raise your hand, whatever you're doing. But David... <laughs> is this guy, the hero of the Old Testament, he's a mess. And then he has this son who the Bible says is the wisest man to ever live, and he ushers the nation of Israel into their most prosperous time ever, and then he messes it up, right? King Solomon, the most prosperous nation to ever exist, and what does he do? He messes it up. And so we've gone from, genera from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, and then we get to a whole bunch of prophets, and a lot of them mess it up. Jonah and the whale, that's a complete mess up. And then we get to Jesus. <laughs> then we get to Jesus, and somehow, after generations and generations and decades of mess ups, there's one guy who turns up, and guess what he does? He doesn't mess it up. One guy turns up, an unassuming guy, the son of a carpenter, and after all this history, he is the one guy that doesn't mess it up. And what's more is that he starts to, from here, from the beginning of the New Testament, when this guy called Jesus turns up, he starts making his way through the community, through society, in order to restore everything that had been lost from Genesis all the way to the Gospels. And so Jesus takes this story of everybody that had messed it up from decades of generations, and this one guy called Jesus turns up who is not a mess up, and his one job is to restore everything that was lost to every generation that would come after him. Okay? And so this is the story of Jesus. And I want to start with tonight uh, in 2 Corinthians 5. And this is the, the core of my message this evening, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. Now all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
okay? I just want to point one thing out straight off the bat. Now, all things are of God. It doesn't say all church things are of God. It doesn't say all holy things are of God. It says all things are of God. Your mess-ups are of God. Your problems are of God. And then he says that Jesus has reconciled us to God. And then he goes on to say this. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. And so Paul's saying... Everything is of God. You might not be doing it right, but everything is of God. And Jesus reconciled us to God. And so your job now, right, is to reconcile. Now that you have been reconciled to God, your job is to reconcile people to God. And guess how you're going to do it? Any guesses? Not counting their mess-ups against them not counting their mess-ups against them. So Jesus, the one guy who turned up, that was not a mess-up, that turned up to fix all our mess-ups, now says to you, seeing as I've come to fix all your mess-ups and restore all your mess-ups, this is your job. Go and fix a broken world and do it by not counting their mess-ups against them. And so tonight, I've got two really simple points that I want to share with you, and they're this. Number one, God's not afraid of your mess. <laughs> God is not afraid of your mess. I'm going to go through this in a minute and, and show it to you. And number two, God does not want to leave you there. Okay? God's not afraid of anything you've done, anything that you've done, anything that you've messed up. You've messed up your marriage, God's not afraid of that. You've messed up your finances, God's not afraid of that. You've messed up your relationships, God's not afraid of that. You've messed up your purity, God's not afraid of that. And secondly, God wants to restore everything that you've lost. This is the, this is the fundamental message of the gospel, is that anyone is welcome. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. And I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? Us Christians don't necessarily want to tell you this, but when we came here, we were mess-ups too. I remember, I'm not going to go into any detail, right? But I remember the night that I gave my life to God. And, and my life was a mess-up. A friend invited me to church. Uh, I heard a prophetic word from a lovely little Italian lady who was a pastor of that church, a powerhouse of a woman, and uh, she spoke a prophetic word, and I knew that was me. And all I knew, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I just know that I had to be involved, and I needed whatever it was that they had. And so I made a decision that night to follow Jesus. But I remember the conversation that I had uh, sitting in about the third row over on that side of the church, not this church, somewhere else. And I've got to tell you, uh, it was not a God-honoring conversation. It, there was nothing glorious about this conversation because I'd come out of a messed up situation. I'd come out of a messed up life and I encountered God and I didn't get it straight away. But I received Jesus straight away and something changed in my life and I was accepted even though I was a mess up. I was, I was formed into a community even though I didn't understand. Even though I didn't live the same way that everybody else did, I was still accepted, I was still honoured and I was put in an environment where God said, 
not, I'm not afraid of your mess, and not only that, I'm going to restore you to where you came from. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hey, listen, if you've got a Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 1. I love this story. I love the book of Daniel. I just want to share some with you tonight. This is a little bit of a Bible study and a bit of a history lesson. Has anyone got a Bible with them tonight? Yeah. You're good? All right, you guys ready to go? Let's go. Daniel 1. In the third year, and I'm going to get some names wrong here, so don't be hating on me, okay? Uh, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, never a good idea for teenagers, and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Okay? Now, long story, but basically, this king of Babylon, a guy called Nebuchadnezzar, turns up and sieges uh, Jerusalem. He sieges the nation of Israel. He conquers it, and he takes a whole bunch of things out of the temple he takes a whole bunch of people and basically a whole bunch of the, the gold and the spoils and everything of war and he takes it back with these young guys to Babylon and to these young guys he says we're actually going to teach you our literature and our history and not only does he do that he actually renames them so he takes these young Jewish guys Daniel you know and the other guys right I can't remember their names I don't want to walk back there anyway he takes them and then they rename them, which is really significant because they don't just rename them. They're not just renaming them from Sam to Dave. They're renaming them from Daniel, which is a Jewish name, and gives them the name Belshazzar, which basically means God who follows you. And we're not talking about our God. We're talking about the God of the Babylonians. And so these young men are taken from their home. They're taken away to Babylon to be basically cultured in someone else's culture that they would serve the king. They get their names changed. And then from there, they go into serving this king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we're not going to read the whole book of Daniel just for time's sake. But basically from here, there's a whole bunch of Bible stories that you guys would know really well. Like Daniel in the lion's den, right? Who knows this? That's in the book of Daniel. Um, there's, they throw the guys into the, into the pit of fire with Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach. Did you guys sing that song when you are in Sunday school? I think my kid sings that song. 
And, uh, you know, these guys are in the pit of fire and yet they, they survive, they come out. Uh, there's the finger of God on the wall, which is actually a bit further on in the story. Does anyone remember that? Where they're having a party and they see the hand of God writing letters on the wall. This all happens in the book of Daniel. But there's one thing that Daniel does is that he translates dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what shifts Daniel from just a Jewish guy who is holy. The story starts out with Daniel going, you're going to change my name, you're going to change the way I live, but I don't want to, I don't want to change my lifestyle because I want to live a lifestyle that honors God. That's the first step in the story of Daniel. And then Nebuchadnezzar has these series of dreams that he doesn't understand and Daniel hears from God and he translates the dreams to this king called Nebuchadnezzar. And basically as we follow the story through, this guy called Nebuchadnezzar is real harsh, right? And if you didn't get it from Daniel and the lion's den, if you didn't get that from Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire, this guy called Nebuchadnezzar is a bit crazy. Like he's a bit hot and cold. Like he's a bit one day we're going to wipe out the, he's going to wipe out the nation of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, and the next day he's like, God's good, right? He's got some issues, and yet throughout his life, Daniel proceeds to basically explain to this guy what his dreams are and serves this king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the story goes along for a few of these seasons, and Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, Right? He has this dream and he's really troubled by it. And so he gets Daniel in to basically translate the dream for him. And it's bad news. Okay, I'm just going to give you the abbreviated version. It's really bad news. And basically what he says, Daniel says, hey, look, you're going to have a few good years and then you're going to have a few really bad years. Like we're talking really bad years, okay? He actually says that God's going to take his hand off you and you are going to live like a wild animal. You are, going to, you are going to become so affected in your thinking that you are going to go outside and live in the wilderness like an animal. And obviously Nebuchadnezzar is really concerned about this. And in Daniel chapter 4, Daniel says something really significant in, uh, in verse 19. So God's given Nebuchadnezzar this dream. Daniel's translated it. And then in verse 4, Daniel comes out and says this to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, doesn't call him by the name Daniel, he calls him Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretations trouble you. And Belshazzar answered, Daniel answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. May the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. And so this is the point. This guy called Nebuchadnezzar is so demonized, is so afflicted, God has lifted his hands off him. And this guy is so afflicted that he leaves. This actually happens. He leaves in the wilderness and it says that he lives like a wild beast for seven years. I've never met anybody that's in that bad of a situation. I, I've never, I've encountered some people in some serious messes, but I've never met someone that was so amoral 
someone that was so anti-Christ, someone that was so demonic that God said, I'm going to let this guy walk around like a beast in the paddock for seven years. And Daniel's response was this, but Lord, I pray that this wasn't for you. I pray this was for your enemies. (laughs) I pray this wasn't for you. I pray this was for those who hate you. Because Daniel had such a love for this guy called Nebuchadnezzar that was completely against everything that he believed in, that when God gave the word and said, this is the judgment on Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel stood up and said, I actually love you so much. I have so much compassion for you that I wish this message was for those who hate you and was for those that are your enemies. And so this tells us a few things. (laughs) No matter who you are tonight, the conduct of Daniel tells us a few things. Number one, it tells me this, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how bad your situation is, no matter how badly you think you are doing, you are one encounter away from realizing and being restored into the life that God had planned for you. You are one encounter away. You know, this guy that was so afflicted that he walked around like an animal in a field for seven years, God restored him. God restored his kingdom to him and said, you're going to be a man that actually speaks my word. And Nebuchadnezzar, the most afflicted and demonic character possibly in the whole Bible, ends his life saying glory to God on the highest. Come on. Holy is the name of the God of the Israelites. Because one guy called Daniel wasn't affected by his sin, wasn't affected by his mess, wasn't affected by what he said, how he said it, but he had the compassion to go, I believe that God wants to restore you. And this word, which may be hard for you to hear, I wish it was a word for your enemies and I wish it was a word for those who hate you because God wants to restore everything that you've lost. And so maybe you're in a hard time this evening. I want to encourage you that no mess can be greater than that. And God can restore that. God can restore any situation that you find yourself in tonight. Come on, God can restore any situation. Maybe you don't feel like you're worthy. Maybe you don't feel like you're good enough to be in church. God's not concerned about that. God's concerned about you. He's concerned about your heart. And no matter what you've done, He's willing to wipe the slate clean because of His great love for you. The second thing it tells me is that for us as believers that have already made a decision to follow Jesus, it gives us an idea of how we need to treat those people in our lives that are still out in the world. I heard a a situation, just just hearing some people speak a a few months ago about a a singer. She's kind of flavor of the town at the moment, I suppose. And uh, she's, she's a pretty strange cat, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. And someone made the comment and said, you know, it's just so demonic. And it, it's, actually, it's actually true. Like what they were saying is accurate. Some of the songs are so bad in terms of their content and in terms of their lyrics. I, like I'm not gonna let my kids listen to it. I'm, I'm not gonna play it in my car. But the truth is, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good of a sinner she is, no matter what's going on in her life, 
she's one encounter away from completely changing from where she's going to where God wants her to be. And I believe that our community, that our nation is full of people, that God has put something in their life and the devil is trying to kill it. The devil's trying to choke it and to strangle it and to stop it from coming out. And despite the situations that they're in, despite how sinful they may look, how demonic we think they may be, the truth is God's planted something in the heart of them. And we need to have the eyes to be able to see past the sin, see past the mess, see past the sickness and the depravity and go, I prophesy that God has planted something in you. And I believe that one day it's going to take root. And (laughs) a number of years ago, this is what I saw. I was at a music festival, listening to a band. I looked around, there's about 35,000 people there in an auditorium. And I was standing there praising God (laughs) it's kind of bizarre when you think about it but I was standing there praising God and God said to me for some of these artists here today they're worshippers they just haven't met me yet these guys carry the anointing they just actually haven't met me yet and one day they're going to meet me and these songs that we call secular are one day going to become worship and they just don't know it yet. And one day these 30,000 people aren't going to be here singing secular songs. They're going to be here singing worship songs because God is planting a seed in the hearts of people in our community and in our nation. And our job is just like Jesus is to restore the hearts of people to the heart of God. And so we need to have eyes to look past the situations that people are in. You need to have eyes to look past your colleagues and the messes that they find themselves in, the the way they live their life. We need to have eyes to look past their situation because somewhere in everyone, God's planted a seed and it's our job to find it and to find a way to water it and make it grow. (laughs) And that is the glorious mess of the church. That is the glorious mess that God created, that we would be people who were once messed up, who are now restored to Jesus and have been given the ministry of reconciling people who are lost. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.